0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: And I take all this, Lord, and I just give it to you. Here it is and you lay it there, and you say, Lord, I want to leave it here. Help me to get this. Help me to understand this. As much as lies within me, I give it to you. I don't know how that happens, but I surrender it to you, Lord. My hands are off the steering wheel. I'm not going to try and navigate my life and try and fix this thing, because I can't fix it. I've tried, and I've messed it up. I give it to you. Will you please take care of it? You do that, and the Lord is faithful to do His end, and it may take some time, but you keep crying out to Him. I guarantee you, He will respond to your desperate cry.
0: God says you shall follow what is altogether just. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues to review the instructions from God to the nation of Israel on how to address the daily problems between his people. After directing Moses to call upon several assistants to help him judge these things, God directs them on following his justice by looking to him and humbling themselves so as not to be unjust in their decisions. As followers of Jesus Christ, we too should always be humbled in his presence and cast our cares upon the Lord to allow him to direct our steps. Here's Pastor Rob with today's important message.
1: You remember he struck that rock the the very first time. God just says, strike the rock, Moses, and water will come out. And he did. And then when they moved around the desert, God did the same thing again. And and Moses got frustrated with the people. And then God said to Moses, now just go speak to the rock, Moses, and water will come out. And instead of speaking to the rock, because the rock was struck once. Jesus was struck once. See the type? Jesus was struck once, the blood was poured out. That's all that was needed, once. One striking by God was all that was necessary. So even in the, in the type of this thing, God wanted to make sure that the type went straight through. Strike the rock the first time, Moses, but the second time, later on, I want you to speak to the rock and it'll give you what you need. But instead, you remember, Moses took that rod and I can just see him getting his pose. And he he, he's angry at the people. His lip starts to curl. You know, it starts to his toes start to sweat on his sandals, and then you can just see the. And then he hits that rock twice, and and God in His mercy still brings forth the water for the people. But he said, Moses, I love you. You're going to heaven. However, because you've done this and misrepresented me in front of the people, it's going to cost you. You're not going to be able to go into the promised land. I mean, your servant Joshua is going to take him in, but you cannot. And God, even in his mercy, remember, we're going to get to it at the end of Deuteronomy. He allows him to go up on top of the mountain and see the land on a very clear day. He could see what they were going to inherit. But he says, you can't go in, Moses. And on that mountain, Moses died, 120 years old. But God does these things because of his great mercy. He's a a merciful God. In fact, remember when Jesus said the Sabbath, which was a day of rest. We all need rest. Anybody need rest? Raise your hand if you need rest. Yeah, we need a Sabbath. If you've got one day, praise the Lord. If you've got two, that's even better. But Jesus said, I've made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, don't just follow this rule and, and just follow the rule. The rule was made for man. It wasn't just some arbitrary commandment so that God could have another thing that you couldn't do. (laughs) Because when you look at that list of Ten Commandments, we fail in all of them. At some point or another, in our heart or physically. But take one day. It's just, you know, you need the rest. You need the rest. Take naps. Let your body rest. I'm a big napper. I like naps. I don't nap here in my office, but I nap at home when I go home. But let's look on to verse 19 now. He says, You shall not pervert justice. So, you know, he says, You shall appoint judges and officials in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to the tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. And you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. Partiality is is when we show favoritism for someone over another. And it doesn't matter what criteria you have. If you show any partiality, any favoritism for one person or another, you are showing partiality. And that's not a good thing. That would be like somebody coming in in rags coming in here and sitting in the front row. And, and, and maybe all the seats were filled. Tonight they're not. But if there was a, a one seat and a gentleman with, with raggedy clothes came and sat right here and then we saw some guy come in who we knew was the CEO of Xerox. He came in with a Rolex watch and a nice suit, patent leather shoes. Uh, excuse me, sir. You need to uh, you need to get up and move. And uh, oh, yeah, come on in. Yeah, there's the offering box right over there. Come, hey, hey, come on in. Have a sit down. We're praying. Praise the Lord. Look at the offering box. Look at that. See, us Right. That is showing. That's obviously really whacked and really weird. And that is partiality. Okay. So God is telling. Moses, to tell the people, you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality or regard faces is really what it means. Nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and it twists or perverts the, eyes, uh, the words of the righteous. And that's literally what that word bribe means. It is a, a Hebrew word that literally means a donation. You give a donation to get what you want and I don't think I need to spend too much time on this, but current events. There was a uh, some wealthy families, some actresses. I don't know if you've read the news lately. But they evidently they wanted their daughters to get into these really fancy colleges. And instead of going through the normal SAT scores and taking the admissions tests and, and going through all that, they bribed the, uh, the coaches and stuff like that. Uh, many of these girls didn't even have a, uh, an athletic background, but they get on the crew team. And, and, and now, they're, um, now they're accepted into the college on that basis, and they, they bypass all the other stuff because a very large check was given. And see, that is the kind of thing that God hates. Now pray for those ladies and those, those families. Because right now, I'm sure, they just want to crawl in a hole somewhere. And not be seen. And it's very embarrassing. And not only for, and for, the, for the young girls, too, in the college. are probably going to get booted out of college. And now they've got this stigma attached to them. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation. And isn't it so like our media? Whenever somebody's down, boy, when, when they're up, boy, the queen of, you know, Hallmark Christmas movies, Lori Laughlin, you know. You know, and, and now Hallmark is dropping her. And you think about, I mean, granted, it is a crime. It's not good. But isn't it true the media loves the stars? They love to lift them up, and then they love to crush them like an egg as soon as they mess up. And you know what? They're no different than most people. We just lack the means sometimes. They wanted what's best for their girls, and, you know, they did it illegally. And, you know, they've got some things coming, you know, that they're going to have to face. But pray for their salvation. I don't, you know, it's a horrible thing. 50 people were involved in this thing, 50 adults. And so it's an ugly thing. And it all had to do with bribes. And here God is telling Moses and telling the people, don't pervert justice. Don't take a bribe. In fact, in Exodus chapter 23, in the first three verses of that chapter, it says this, says, you shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. And certainly in this whole thing, that's exactly what was happening in this current event. And it kind of lands at home when just the day before all this stuff is being revealed and there are many other instances of that bribery goes on uh, it's been around ever since the beginning if you've got the means the financial means or the um, right amount of political pressure you put on people you you bribe them with 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 fame with uh, a seat in the oval office a seat in the cabinet you you can do it many different ways if there's anything that's desired you can wave that before somebody and get what you want and most people, especially if they don't know Jesus, most of them, many of them will cave into that and hopefully no Christians, but we're not, we're not uh, untouched by that at times too, right? We all have our weaknesses. God knows what they are. Maybe you know what your weakness is. And sometimes the only difference between us and the unbelieving world is that we lack opportunity. And sometimes it's the most humbling thing for me to experiences when I go through something that the world, it's very common in the world, and, and then I can get kind of smug, can't I? Have you ever been kind of smug? Well, I don't do that. I would never do that. And then you find yourself stepping into something that you never thought you would do. You find yourself doing something you never thought you would do, entertaining a thought that you never thought you would think. Or, God forbid, you actually go through an act that you never thought you would do. It surprises you. And God all the while is saying, abide in me. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You're a Christian, you're one of mine, and you messed up. And we have to confess those things as sin and turn away from them, right? We need to constantly examine our hearts daily as we go through life. Lord, am I, uh, these things that are in me, these weaknesses, you know what they are, and maybe some of you know what they are. Be very careful. Oftentimes, it's your strong, the thing that you're really strong in. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a a skill set. Usually, we fail on the things that we're most familiar with, the things that we're most comfortable with, the things that we're most talented in doing. We tend to fail on those things because we get lazy. God is saying, be careful. But in Proverbs 17, verse 23, it says, A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of the justice. And I love what Micah 6, verse 8 says. This is a verse we all know. It says, He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I love that. Doesn't, doesn't living and walking in the light, doesn't that just bless your heart? Isn't it wonderful that at night you can lay your head on the pillow knowing that all your accounts are settled with God, that you didn't do some really wicked thing today, that you can take those little things maybe that you've done and and confess them, and he's like, I forgive you. You can put your head on the pillow. You don't have to take Xanax. You don't have to take Ambien. You don't have to take any of those pills to get yourself to sleep because you have peace with God, and therefore you have the peace of God, and you sleep like a baby. He gives his beloved sleep. Isn't that what the psalmist tells us? And it's so wonderful to walk in purity and in holiness because at the end of the day, you rest and your rest is sweet. It's so sweet. You know, the world wishes they could have the peace that you have, Christian. Now, you may say to yourself, well, my rest is really not all that good. Well, maybe it's because you got a lot on your mind. Maybe you haven't cast your care on the Lord for he cares for you. Maybe you haven't taken that yoke off of you. You're still carrying it. And he says, why don't you give it to me? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But Lord, I got to carry this thing. Who said that? Who said that you have to carry that burden? Why don't you give it to me? How do you give a burden to the Lord? I have no clue. (laughs) Actually, I do have a clue. You give it to him by saying, Lord, in me, I cannot do this thing. And sometimes it helps to actually take a... Just sit at the end of your bed. How how often has it been since you actually got on your knees and humbled yourself before the Lord? I'm not saying you don't have to. This is not a legalistic thing. But when's the last time you actually, you know, there are times when I found my best prayer times with the Lord are when I'm broken and when I'm really desperate for him. He responds to desperation. He doesn't respond so much to a haughty heart that's got it all figured out. But if you're really desperate and you're in tears, let me tell you, God shows up in a big way. If you're honest before Him, He is going to meet you there. I know this for a fact, for a fact. Even recently, when I was diagnosed, you know, at that point a couple two and a half weeks ago, they just said, you know, they were pretty sure that I had cancer. Now they're saying I'm not sure; could be, could be precancerous. So I'm I'm really excited about that. (laughs) So, you know, the the thing is, is, um, you know, He responds to desperation get on your knees and cry out to him and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. I've got this issue. And sometimes it helps to just take your hands out and just say, Lord, I've got this huge thing. It's a burden. I've been carrying around this guilt all my life from something I did in the past, from something I said to somebody else. I lost this friend because of my mouth. I I gossip behind their back, and now they're estranged from me. My mother and my father don't even want me. and My whole family has abandoned me. And this is too much for me, Lord. I'm walking around a w- wounded warrior. And I take all of this, Lord, and I just give it to you. Here it is. And you lay it there. And you say, Lord, I want to leave it here. Help me to get this. Help me to understand this. As much as lies within me, I give it to you. I don't know how that happens. But I surrender it to you, Lord. I'm, I'm, my hands are off the steering wheel. I'm not going to try and navigate my life and try and fix this thing, because I can't fix it. I've tried, and I've messed it up. I give it to you. Will you please take care of it? You do that, and the Lord is faithful to do his end, and it may take some time, but you keep crying out to him. I guarantee you, he will respond to your desperate cry. He has never turned his back on any saint who has been honest and open and broken, a broken and a chondrite heart, contrite heart, he will in no way despise. He will meet with you. So, going back on here to verse 20, Moses says to them, for you shall follow what is altogether just. Why? Here's the answer, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God has given you. That is why if you, were, if you follow what is just, you are going to live and inherit the land. All of the promises. Do you realize that many of God's promises, at least for the children of Israel, were all based on their obedience? Especially when it came to the land and their crops and things of that nature. The physical things, the crops and the, 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 the livestock and all those things, they were tied to obedience. They were conditional promises. If you do this, then I will do this. Now, there are many other promises that we know that are unconditional. God gives unconditional promises. He told Abraham and Isaac and Jacob on three separate occasions, your seed is going to be blessed To all this land that I'm going to give to you, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at different times, I'm going to give you all this land. And you, all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed. And in your seed, in your seed, they will be like the sand of the sea, like the stars of the heavens for multitude. No one could count them. That's an unconditional promise. This is what I'm going to do. But you'll notice all the if-then statements in Deuteronomy. We've, We've looked at them as we've been going through Deuteronomy. God will say, if you do this, I will do this. If my people who are called by my name will will pray and humble themselves, then I will heal their land. Then I will heal their land. Then I will, if you do this, then I will do this. Let's look at verse 21. And we're going to see that verse 21 is prophetic of what would ultimately happen later on under the reigns of Manasseh. Ammon and Josiah. These were kings of Judah. Hundreds of years in the future from when Moses was giving this sermon to the children of Israel. In fact, most of Deuteronomy is prophecy. And we're going to look at this chapter here, or this um, this section here, and we're going to see that God was pointing the finger down the road. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. These are prophecies that were ultimately going to be fulfilled. At the time, they didn't know it, but let's follow along with it. He says, verse 21 You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. So when they build an altar, it was supposed to be plain. It was supposed to be an altar made of just earth and rocks, and it wasn't supposed to be something fancy. It didn't have to have a nice border on the top, and everything looked nice and level, and everything looked really beautiful like at Home Depot. Right? It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be crude. It's supposed to be, don't put a tool upon it. Just put the rocks there, put the altar on top, and there's where the sacrifice is going to be. Because what's going to happen on the altar is ugly. And the altar doesn't have to be beautiful. Because what's happening on there is an atonement for your soul. Sin is going to be atoned for on that altar. But notice the word for tree here in verse 21 You shall not plant any. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image. Okay, that word tree in the Hebrew means Asherah. It's actually where we get the word Ashtaroth, which is a Phoenician goddess. or um, She's also called Astarte. She's a Canaanite goddess as well. She's supposed to be the the consort of Baal, so the female counterpart to Baal, this, this supreme deity in Canaanite religion. So we got Estarte or Asherah, and we, we've heard about that name before. And so what they would do is they would build an image, a wooden image next to the altar. So they would worship God. Oh, that's great. But then it also had this other thing, just in case, just in case this thing with God doesn't work out. We've got this other God that we want to appease too. It's kind of like Baskin Robbins. How many flavors? <laughs> it's like Smorgasbord this God doesn't answer me, maybe that one will, right? Superstitious. God says, no, you count on me alone. All that other stuff is nonsense. All those other gods, those foreign deities, are nothing but demons that you worship. And God is saying, do not put anything like that Next to my altar. And in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1, he says, You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. And so God is very specific about what he wants and how he is to be worshipped. And it's not difficult. It's not difficult. It's not like it's some kind of difficult thing to do. In fact, because you don't have to shape it with a masonry uh, trowel and make this thing look beautiful, it's very simple. It's very crude in its construction. And that's it. Sacrifice on that. That's it. But the natural heart of man is to do what? To rebel. (laughs) It's not good enough. Got to do something else. We got to zip it up a little bit. Maybe put some Frank's Red Hot Sauce on it or something we got to do something to make this thing a little bit more palatable. I mean, look at it. It's ugly. Look at those people. they got everything. There's a lot, you know, order, and everything looks really good. they got this beautiful thing. There's lights on it. There's fireworks going off on the sides. People are having a nice time, and we got to slaughter a lamb on this makeshift thing. Come on, Lord. And the Lord's going, no, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be pretty. Turn with me to 2 Kings. We're going to see from the very beginning, uh, now obviously this is prophetic. What we're reading, this passage is prophetic. Verse 21, you shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which, the Lord, which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. This is prophetic because several hundred years from this speaking that Moses was speaking, A man by the name of Manasseh was going to set up a thing. Look at with me at 2 Kings chapter 21. We're going to look at the first nine verses. Manasseh was one of the worst kings in Israel's history. In fact, he, he frustrated God so much with the things that he did. Manasseh put things into motion, and he was such a wicked man. Worshiping Everything, the host of heaven, he, he was like the worst of the worst of the kings. Notice what happens, 2 Kings 21. We're going to look at the first nine verses. It says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? For such an evil man, the Lord allowed him 55 years to turn away. Some good kings only had a very short period of time, but he allowed this wicked man, and it doesn't make sense to us, does it? sometimes the Lord allows that and it frustrates us. We don't understand. Lord, he's wicked. God in his mercy. Fifty-five years in Jerusalem, his mother's name was...
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.